Welcome back to another episode of the Nonprofit Podcast. Sans Mark Twight. Sans Mark Twight. I feel like because I'm sitting in his chair, I had to say that. Yeah. Which is really comfortable. Yeah. It really is. Sometimes. Sometimes they, they can get a little bit uncomfortable. They do kind of bug my back a bit, but everything bugs my back, so whatever. So we're joined. Well, we, we didn't know whose podcast we were going to do the part, but we are going to do the nonprofit one. I made the decision for everybody. Okay. Yeah. And speaking... Um, George Jorge Jorge Briones 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 is joined with us and also special treat Casey Parlett Casey Parlett Parlett yeah Yeah. nailed it nice Casey who are you who am I who am I I am you can answer that any way you want I'm whoever you want me to be ooh Hmm. all right To do is human design right now. Right, it's like, well, we're gonna go ahead and do this. Yeah, then. for the listeners, I think your Instagram handle is Casey Parlett. So shoot him a message; he'll be anybody you want him to be, <laughs> and he'll do it for money. You're all, hey, hey, daddy. Everything, everything costs money. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice. So, uh, do you want to talk about why you're out here? Um, a- yeah, I mean, I I'm out here for a CrossFit seminar. Yeah. Um, to coach for the weekend, but I came out to early to spend some time with George and work through some of the stick to the program stuff that we've been working on. Nice. Um, and then I also took advantage to come and hang out with you guys and see what it is that you really do here. Since it's always like the secret that nobody really knows. When you find out, will you let us know? We don't know. (laughs) I I don't know, but it looks cool. (laughs) That's all that matters. The rule number one nailed it. Can you explain a little bit what stick to the program is and kind of what you do outside of coaching and helping out CrossFit seminars and all yeah, that shit. yeah. So the the stick to the program thing. Uh, I've told the story before, but it kind of started as a joke, and it was it sounds oddly familiar, doesn't it? A, a, as a <laughs> as a coach, people are always like, "I want to lose weight. I want to get better at this. I want to get better at that. How do I do this? How do I do that?" And I was like, "Just stick to the program. Just come in and just stick to the program, and and you'll lose weight. You'll get fit." And I just kind of would joke around and tell them that all they need to do to get whatever they want is stick to the program. And over the years, it became something that was like a, a motto within the gym and within my coaching. And it's morphed into a much bigger thing, whereas the program is not just the workouts. And it never was just about the workouts. It was about eating a certain way. It was about getting enough sleep. It was about doing the, the mental prep, doing doing the visualization stuff. So stick to the program was this all-encompassing idea of overall health and wellness and how do you how do you be the best version of yourself you stick to the program Hmm. it seems very like zen-ish in a sense like it's a thing that's so basic and obvious but then impossible to actually do yeah 100 percent. i mean there's there's, there's, (laughs) there is there is and that's kind of the the idea is that there is no like my program is my program and your program is your program. It's not, it's not a one size fits all approach. And that's why when we had our conversation yep. about programming yesterday, it's like, everybody's like, Oh, what's the program? I need the magic program. It's yep. going to get me everything that I need. There is no, there is no magic program. The program is like put the work in and do the things that you need to do today, right now to be better tomorrow. And then you repeat and repeat and repeat. And it's always going to be evolving what I did 
today to be better tomorrow might not look the same as yeah. the next day and the day after that. I think, I mean, for me, the feature is like, uh, it, it, like humans, especially people that try to like accomplish something. Cause there's a difference. There's people that just like, you know, exist, which is good. Yep. You, you need those kind of people. <laughs> and then there's people who like have this ethereal idea of progress. Like it's an unending infinite. I'm going to prog like progress forever. And they need like structure and I also like there, there's like the truth of the whole thing, which is like everything is chaos. Nothing really matters. And then somewhere in between there, you have like, well, I can shift little things here and there kind of. Right. And that's kind of programming to me is like yeah. you can kind of like cut the loose edges so that it doesn't go off the rails and you can kind of guide a thing bouncing down the walls. And that's what programming is in its most accurate form is like you're just con containing the bouncing. Um, but most people that come to program think that it's like this, no, I, I got to lift, you know, 52% of my one rep max at 9.30 a.m. and, you know, under a full moon on this day and then the universe will climb and then I'm an Olympic athlete. And you're like, <laughs> well, I like, that's just not how anything really works. But it worked for one person. So it should work for everybody. And we said this in the strength program because this is true. Like most, when you when you find a program that like, uh, you know, what is it's the Bulgarian method um, or, or whatever, uh, take whatever hatch squat I program, say, yeah, the hatch. anything. Um, I, I use, use the small law program as an yep. example. It's like, it's like a, okay, it's fucking hard, first of all. Hmm. Like, especially if you don't do the prep for it, like the six-week prep into the actual squat program. And all you the drugs that go with it. T totally. And that, like, and it should, like, I mean, you should be honest about what Smolov was. Like, yeah. first of all, a genetic freak and also very handy with the sports supplements. Like, <laughs> but also the fact that he, like, when you look at the program now, that's what happened, maybe, you know, it's a loose interpretation of what happened, but it's not what was supposed to be done. Yeah. Like the coaching that went behind it was him showing up and the coach being like, oh yeah, let's do this today because you're looking good. So let's add a couple sets. And that ended up being six sets of eight at whatever percentage. Later, they're like, do this weight. And then they'll add it up later. Yeah, if you're one rep max, that's this percentage of that. Now that I have a percentage, now I have the ability to like convert that so other people can understand my idea. But it's not the idea. It's an, like, it's an idea of an idea. Yeah. Well, you made, a, you made a good point. We talked about it yesterday about the whole freestyle and programming, mm -hmm. right? When we come into the gym, you see how the person moves, what's going on with them, have a conversation. And then from there, you can go ahead and develop whatever it is you need, yeah. right? It's kind of the same thing here. When we look at the Smoloff program, did you think the coach sat there and wrote out a six-week progression of that exact squat program? Or was it like, hey, this is where we're going to start with the foundation and we're going to go ahead and progress on it by your progress and what's going on outside of the gym yeah as well right what are the stressors that are going on with it and i think that's something that you know casey and i have seen eye to eye i think all of us in here mm -hmm. see eye to eye is like the stress outside of the four walls of the gym are going to dictate how your training is for the day mm -hmm. right like that has yeah. been the thing and it's again we were talking about it's like a rapper it's like anybody can write down their lyrics and their bars and everything yeah, else yeah. like that but how good are you to just come out here and start spitting Right. You guys and talked rapping. about rappers when I wasn't around. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. <laughs> I mean, I, you know I'm into that. <laughs> well, it's like a feature, I think, uh, especially in something that, um, I would call sports science pseudoscience for sure. Okay. Like you cannot, um, you cannot find causality. Right. It's all correlation. 
right? There's too many, there's infinite amount of variables. Therefore, it's pseudoscience. Like you have an idea that it's moving this direction, but to state if somebody does X, Y, and Z, you get S. That, which is S is shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, it doesn't, it's not a feature like that. And I think it gets discounted. It's like saying that there's a formula for painting, which there's, you know, there's a science of, you know, blending color and color theory and perspective. And there's all these like art theory that really leads to uh, a good picture or a good painting, uh, like the rule of threes and composition and how to get perspective changes and what, what the, you know, textural properties are of it. Beyond that, it's one, it's like 99% creativity though. Correct. Like there's these rules that make it, put it in the boundary of being appropriate and you can break those rules, which means they're not really rules, they're more like guidelines. Yeah. And that's kind of training. And when I was like traveling around quite a bit, dropping into gyms, uh, there was a distinct difference where you're like, you know, people are like, oh, we use this programming or we use this. And, you know, a tip of the hat to somebody that's like, I don't want to do it. I just want some, I, like my gym is run and, you know, I trust that they do good exercising. So I'm going to use their programming so I can then run my business. If that's why you're doing it, awesome. The other feature that I found is people would be like, oh, we're all on the hatch squat program for the next eight weeks. And you're like, how little do you understand about the human body that you can't come up with your own strength progression? Well, that's the thing is they have no idea at all. So, so as a martial artist, yeah. basically like the theory in art and writing and creativity, it's, it's across the board, right? So like people that have this strict program or mm. these strict rules in place, rules are meant to be broken. Mm. But when you put it in terms of, here's some principles mm -hmm. to follow. There's some basic principles to follow when, when training, when programming for anybody and everybody, whether it's a high level athlete or the person just trying to lose weight. So like, oh, as, as you look at your training or your programming in terms of principles, I go back to the martial arts side of what I know. And for me, closest weapon, closest target, is a principle. Most martial artists that have studied under anybody that knows anything has some concept of that. But my closest weapon to closest target is going to be really different than Keegan's. Right. We, we have a very different or we have very different attributes to go on. So as as a coach, if I'm programming for Michael and Keegan and George, I have some principles that I'm going to follow. They all want to get really strong. Mm hmm. So I have some principles like we need to overload the system. We need to tax the central nervous system. But the way that we do that is different. And I think that's where people mess up and get so stuck on on the program or the right program. Yeah, the individuality aspect. I think that's why I struggle mm -hmm. a bit with gym owners that want to use somebody else's program. Because like you coaching your athletes and knowing what they're going to do and why they're going to do it, I feel like is a big part yeah. of coaching your athletes, or your clients or whatever the fuck you want to call them. And when somebody else is coming up with the why that they're doing it and you have no idea other than I'm not good at this, somebody else can do it. Why are you a gym owner? Like, I don't, I don't know of, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I can't think of an example off the top of my head where somebody owns a business and then goes, you know what? I'm going to have them do everything for me and I'm just going to be the one that makes money off of it. That's a CrossFit gym. Sure, <laughs> but I and maybe it exists. I just can't think of an example off the top of my head where, like, 
Dunkin' Donuts doesn't go to like the local donut shop yeah. and go, can I have your donuts to sell? But I know there's coffee shops that also do that, but they roast their own coffee. They make their own coffee. So donuts aren't their specialty. Again, a bad fucking example. But, but I think and I understand what you're saying is it's coaching and fitness and health and whether it's nutrition or performance, it's so different because people are coming in with different body types. Like if somebody's going to buy a donut, a donut's a donut at the end of the day, for the most part. Agree to disagree. Okay, well, that that's fair. <laughs> but as as you start to get in to training somebody, whether it's they had a fight with their spouse the <laughs> night before, or they had a stressful 100%. meeting at work, like those are all factors that come into play. And I think for me, as I've evolved as a coach, especially being involved with CrossFit for so long, people walk into the gym and as soon as they walk into the gym, I'm like, well, this is what is what we're planning on doing today ish. You're not going to do that because if we do that with you, you're going to be fucked or you're going to break down and it's going to make your day worse instead of better. I, I am using the assumption that if people are paying for a program, for their entire gym to use, then they don't necessarily have the ability to do what you just said. Well, then they're not a coach. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And they should make that very clear to the people that are, are paying for their service. Yeah, here's where I'll defend using somebody else's program is that as a good coach, you should be able to take anything out of a hopper and, and mold it to whoever you're applying yep. it to. Like you should have a list of somebody, George is like, I'm going to spit some hot fire out of some moves. And you're like, snatch, dumbbell snatch, whatever. And you just go through a list of things. I should be able to take anybody that's trying to progress and use those things and construct a workout based off of exactly. movement and even time domain. I 100% right? agree with that. That's where I'll that's where I'll. I uh, guess my thing would it. be that if somebody could do that, they wouldn't pay for somebody else to program for their members. Uh, not necessarily. And this is kind of what our idea was talking about yesterday was like, a lot of this is just like, I want to see people's creative process. Yeah. So a lot of time, like I'll look at people's programming, not to copy it, to try to understand what they're seeing. I do the same right? thing. And out of that, I go, oh, but I would do it like this. So you're, you're, you're like, it's like listening to how somebody puts sentences together and you're like, oh, there's a lot of alliterations in that. Or there's, you know, they, they have a way of removing adverbs or they have a way of like, uh, like, you know, however they form their language, it has a style to it. And you can, oh, I like how they did that. Yeah. Their their paragraph structure is short and fast. Or, man, I really like how they go short, short, really long sentence to finish it off, like a like almost a drawn out one. Yeah. Um, and then you take that structure. It's not that I'm copying. It's like, I really like the flow of that. And I'll look at that in workouts and then change it. And that's kind of what led to us talking about like, man, a, a program that's like like dictated from you know six weeks on is kind of fucking worthless. It, it really is. I mean, and that's coming from someone who writes fucking template programming for totally. Softly, right? Yeah. And that's something that, you know, how many times someone has to make adjustments within that because of life. And it's like, hey, you have to understand that like this is just a template to look yeah. at. It's not the it's not the end all be all. If you need to make adjustments and train on a Wednesday when it says to rest on Wednesday, then make it happen. But understand that you have to now move that over and train on a Thursday, right? Yeah. So it's teaching someone to find their fluidity within their individuality. Well, I think that's the part that's missing. You talked about it. it's like we don't train in a vacuum. No, right? Like it, it's not just training and then the rest of life happens. When somebody comes in, you're like, 
What, like, how are you feeling? And if you don't teach somebody to take that into consideration, then they'll never learn how to train themselves. And I think the objective should be, everybody should be trying to learn how to do this themselves. Yep. Otherwise, it's just masturbation. <laughs> like, no, it's you're right. And we even called it out yes, uh, yesterday when we were having the conversations. You know, how many people come in and look at the board and you're like, oh, am I supposed to do it that way? Yeah, go ahead and do it that way. Yeah. And then tell me how it was from doing the opposite way what I just did. But here's what blows my mind. Most people in most gyms come in and look at the board and go, I don't know what I'm looking at. In which case, you haven't learned a fucking thing. Correct. Like, yeah, it looks like gibberish at first. And obviously, some you know workout structure really doesn't make sense because we're not fucking rocket scientists. We're usually like failed entrepreneurs that like wanted to do something and not work for somebody else. That's that's the general coach is like, I'm unhirable, therefore I'm starting a gym, and I really like exercise. And it plays into the fact that most businesses like that will fail because there's no there's no real look at how to progress the business. Like yeah. what's the vision for the entire business aspect? I want people to be super fit. Real like why? Like what <laughs> so people are like you have a super fit gym and then what? And yeah. then what's the commodity? And then like how do you progress as a coach? It's like do you just get more and more fit people until you're training, you know, pro athletes or something or like you know mma fighters or ufc fighters or something um that's not a really good business model mostly because pro athletes don't pay a fucking dime but also in consideration is you're like most people are not concerned with what other people are learning when they come in they're like if you don't learn by osmosis i.e me yelling at you and telling you what to do then you're not learning yeah and I think as a coach, the really the tricky part is trying to understand how people connect to what lesson you're trying to give. And I think yeah. that's that's the principle that goes underneath everything is like, do I really care if you swing this kettlebell perfect? Or do I care that you're more aware of your body and you're listening and you're doing something that you don't normally do, which is like be open and, you know, suggest a move, uh, like changing your organism yeah. kind of deal. I, I think the education piece is, Definitely in the CrossFit space. I'll harp on that because mm -hmm. I'm so familiar with it. Sure. But the people that are running the CrossFit classes across the world mm -hmm. aren't educated enough themselves and don't have a deep enough understanding to be able to pass that education along. They don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's just this is the workout of the day. Go really hard. Yeah. And a, B, C, D, Metcon. Yeah. That yeah. too. Yeah. Make, make yourself feel like you're going to puke. Whereas a true coach is going to go in there and like I give the I make the joke all the time with my clients. Look, you need to learn how to do this, why to do this, because I might die one day. And if I die, that doesn't give you a right to stop exercising and to stop being healthy. Like yeah. you have to be able to continue on whether I'm here or not. And at the end of the day, whether it's nutrition or it's movement or it's mindset stuff or whatever as a coach as an educator as a teacher like you have to be able to pass that information along because if it's if i have all this knowledge in my head but i don't ever do anything with it if i, if I don't ever impart that to anybody else like what the fuck's the point of having it yeah right it that's interesting you say that because coming from a reconnaissance team you know as a as a RTO, I had to make sure I knew the point man's job. I needed to know, make sure I knew the team leader's job. I needed to know I, the, the slackman's job, just in case one of them got shot and they went down. Then I was able to go ahead and take over their position. It's the same thing here when we run a gym. I know when I ran CrossFit Double Barrel, 
that was the goal. It was like, hey, look, I'm training and coaching you so that you can go ahead and do this without me. Because guess what? I'm not going to be here forever, just like you said. It's just like that's the goal. And I think that's the same thing coming down to the freestyle, yeah. right? Understanding the foundations of what it is from art, literature, programming. Yeah, There's these left and right lateral limits that we have, and we can expand them wider as we get smarter. And then we explain them to others and be like, hey, you can work within these left and right lateral limits. Can you go outside of them here and there? Yes. But understand you have this broad spectrum of of knowledge that you can go ahead and create whatever you want hmm. is kind of the way I look at that. And when it comes to coaching as well, especially on the individual aspect. Well, yeah, I think people don't really connect with um, exercise sometimes outside of like, it's a way to get aggression out or it's a way to like, you know, pretend that you're healthy. You know, my 15 minute Metcon means I can excuse my, you know, other fucking 23 hours and 45 minutes yeah. of behavior that's shit which is usually sitting lying down sleeping inactive or even worse honestly like i wish that's what people's bad behavior was their bad behaviors like they get on the freeway and they're screaming at people yelling at people on the phone getting in fights with like you know they're, they're antagonized all the time like their system is so far into a shitty fight or flight right state that they're like the exercise just compounds on top of that like we just had this conversation with some client like uh that just came in this morning um uh she was asking she has like some systemic inflammation from a bad reaction from an antibiotic going on and we're just like maybe you should just take it easy <laughs> like you know your body's like kind of pissed right now yeah. you like you gave it something that it is not happy with and it's a result of that now you can move around but like you know help flush lymph and we started she's like how do you know all this and i'm like I'm a fucking human being and I've been hurt before <laughs> and I paid attention. Like this, this isn't taught, right? Yeah. Like no one was like, come to my class on inflammation, although they have that bullshit. And then like, you know, I can there's get a certificate read, that but... said, yeah, there's obviously good information out there, but mostly it was like, oh, I fucked myself up. I'm going to start looking into it and talking to people that have taken care of themselves. And they all have wildly different ideas. Some of them work for different circumstances. And then, you know, we got on the topic of like, you know, stress and how, man, you really, your body is totally unaware about what quality of stress it has going on. Yeah. And if it's acute, awesome. It knows really well how to kind of recover from that. And I use this uh, example, like, um, where did I hear it the other day? I can't remember where I heard it. Um, but it was, it was a perfect example of like, I said it to Keegan the other day too, to try to like put it into context of, of stuff we might use for uh, analogy. And it was like a, a fucking, uh, a deer doesn't hold a grudge after it gets hunted from like a wolf or pre like a predator, right? It's like, it's not the whole day that fucking wolf tried to fucking get me. It's like two minutes and it's back to normal. Yeah. And it just makes an adjustment. Like, oh, I got too close to that thing. I need to like stay away. Like on a, on a savanna, it's a perfect example. There's fucking predators everywhere. Um, and they're highly aware of the tolerance that it needs to like getting into that sympathetic state and running or fighting for its life. But the second that pressure stops, it's it's back to like thinking about fucking and eating. Yeah, yeah getting back into that rest and recovery. Yeah, it's just right. like, how can I pass on my genetics? And man, I'm hungry. Where's some grass? Yeah. And humans are like, the you know, like somebody cuts you off and two hours later, you're fucking fuming about it. Like that motherfucker in a Maserati, fuck that person. I hope they die. And you're like, 
who's winning here? Like, <laughs> so in, in your guys' experience, so like that's a really good example. So you have that person that's pissed mm-hmm. off on the road, like road rage, screaming and yelling at people, and they come into the gym later that day, and they're mm-hmm. like, man, I just feel like shit. Yeah. Do, do you guys feel like they people aren't even aware of why they feel like shit? 100%. And then you tell them, and you're like, you do a short, hard workout, and they're like, oh, that wasn't much. And you're like, what are you doing? You've been... You've been going hard since you got in your car, like since you started drinking coffee in the morning because, you know, your phone lit up and somebody said something that pissed you off or you look on Instagram and somebody made like a passive aggressive comment and you've been fuming about it ever since. It's the same chemicals going on. You've been working out for fucking two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, four or five hours. You get here, you do a 15 minute thing and you wonder why you feel terrible. So and I I think the the awareness (laughs) piece is is where people fuck up. Like mm-hmm. people have no ability to be self-aware, which leads them down all mm-hmm. sorts of dark holes that they're not able to get out of. And I think that's why people are always searching outside of themselves for the magic program and for mm-hmm. this and that to get whatever it is that they feel like they need or to get the feeling that they think that they want. Whereas if they just sit back and go, oh, Every morning I wake up to a fucking blaring alarm clock and the first thing that I do is check my emails and then I feel shitty all day long until I work out. Like if people could just take a step back and look at that from a different yeah, perspective, right. they'd go, they'd go, oh, maybe if I just, just check my email, if I just <laughs> yeah. do that, my whole life would be better. Yeah. I mean, I, I do the same thing when I wake up, I check emails just to make sure there's nothing like completely out of control. But unless it's like an immediate thing, it's like it goes away. Like I don't respond to people. Yeah. I don't like if it's a note or something, it doesn't get looked at. And then it's usually, you know, it's the only time of day that I can read something. So I'll sit down and read and drink coffee or or do like do a I don't know what it's like a continuation of relaxation. Like that's what waking up is just making sure that you're like, I'm on the right tone today. Yeah. Uh, Checking in with yourself. Yeah. Cause if I'm late and I wake up and I'm like, Oh, well I know what today's going to be like. In <laughs> I, which I case. can't believe I'm going to say this, but this week I started waking up half an hour earlier and the second I get up, I make coffee mm-hmm. and while the coffee's ma- being made, I go vacuum the floor. Mm-hmm. I finish the coffee. I mop the floor. I drink the coffee. My days have been so much better doing that. Cause it's just like an easy, yeah. like just, I mean, it's moving around one thing, but it's also just like it's a, a slow to fast type just of session. Something about like making that space clean mm-hmm. and then having it ready for the day, like actually just helps my day move forward. And it's not me responding to anybody. I'm not answering an email or a text message or a phone call. I'm just doing what I need to do or feel like I need to do in here. So when clients come in, people come in, like at least that space is ready to go and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, well, all of this stuff is like self-administered pressure. Right? Sure. You, you can think about it like, oh, no, I, you know, I can't do that. I got to wake up for work. And it's like, you took the job. Yeah. Like at some point when you back up far enough, it's your fucking fault, period. Like you're fat because you ate the stuff. No, yeah. You're stressed out because you have no idea how to relax. Like you took the double mortgage. You like, you know, you did all of the things. But you're unaware because, you know, you got thrown down this path and maybe you got pressured. Maybe there was like people talking into things that you'd be like, oh, I went to school for engineering and I really wanted to be a nurse or whatever. And you're like, well, grow a fucking sack and change your direction. At any point, you can change anything. 
it just takes longer the more invested you are in things. If you're like, oh man, my fucking wife sucks. Like, I hate my kids. They're fucking terrible. There's ways to figure that out. You don't have to stick with it. You might be called a deadbeat dad by somebody, but if you're happy, well, fuck them. Like... If you can get out of it, like there's nobody saying that you have to do life a certain way. So, so you're responsible for your own outcome. Is that what you're saying? Totally. That, it sounds that, crazy. That, that's I, fucking weird. Is that like, weird? Really weird. I, the the thing that goes this goes like, well, I've got responsibilities, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like the Buddha fucking left his child and new bride for seven years. He's just like, fuck it, babe, I gotta go get enlightened, <laughs> and he fucking left. Like you can do it, and he came back with like things that have helped humanity for thousands of years yeah. as like you don't have to just be a generic fuck you can do something you might hurt some feelings you might like you know you might fuck up here and there you might not be doing the right thing you might be a deadbeat dad you might be something but if you don't fucking try you're a total waste yeah but it, and that trying offers you clarity yeah. yeah like that's the, sure. that's the biggest thing there's taking accountability for your actions then opens a the door for clarity of like what it is you really want and for example like my second daughter i walked away from that because i wasn't healthy mm -hmm. her mother wasn't healthy it wasn't a healthy relationship for my daughter but guess what i walked away i got more clarity i am now able to be the best father possible to her, even though if i live in a different state i am mm -hmm. able to sit here and give her what she needs because I took care of myself. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's something that, you know, I used to talk to my students a lot with at the schoolhouse. It was like, hey, take care of the guy that left and right of you. But what I never realized was I had to take care of myself before doing that. It's an oxygen mask theory. It, it, right, that's the whole, that's yeah. what we talked about that yesterday. Yeah. It was like the theory of that, right? It's like, hey, plane's going down. First thing you do is put a mask on yourself and then offer help to uh, If this else. was the argument, I got into this fucking conversation with this guy last weekend. Um, because he was he was trying to talk he was trying to convince a friend of mine to like go plant-based which is hilarious i could care less but you know more treats for me <laughs> more steak and treats but what he was saying about it and i was like oh that's an interesting example he's like you know it's the best thing for the earth and i was like man i wildly disagree with that he's like how so and i was like i eat like almost all meat now like almost completely all meat and i feel fantastic and i feel like it's the most regenerative thing for the earth. Like I'm supporting local, local things, local farms. Like it's a very small circle for the mo for like 90% of it. Um, and he's going, yeah, but how do you feed 7 billion people? And I go, that's not my fucking job. My, <laughs> my job is to take care of myself and be healthy. And that way I can do the best work possible. But if I feel miserable and I'm sick and diseased, what the fuck am I going to do for the other 600 and whatever Billion, billion people yeah yeah fuck them like who gives a shit <laughs> I, and i said like hey you know there's a billion people right now who don't have clean air or water are you gonna drink dirty water and breathe shitty air to be in solidarity with them no you're gonna fucking do the best thing you can for your organism and then do the best work you can to promote like your small circle as like everybody else is on their own sorry like yeah. if i feel like shit the people around me are going to feel like shit. But if I feel good, I have a way better chance at helping people close to me. Then he made this really weird statement. He was like, well, you know, I, I still have an egg here or two because I'm, you know, I'm not ter terribly worried about cholesterol. And I was like, dude, you're like 40 pounds overweight. You should be. I was like, just because you don't eat fucking animal products doesn't mean... Doesn't mean you're you safe from fucking... From any from terrible LDL yeah. or whatever. And I was like... And then he was like, well, every once in a while I'll have a steak. 
I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, I just get this craving. I need one. And I eat it. And I was like, how do you feel after? He's like, I feel really good. And I was like, think about that for just one fucking second. Like, <laughs> what are you fucking doing? Like, so, so every everybody's so fucking righteous. Like, sure, yeah, and, yeah. and they have these ideas and these preconceived notions from media or social media or whatever the fuck. So they come up with these ideas in their head that if I'm a vegan or I'm plant-based or whatever mm-hmm. they want to call it, that they're doing good and they're a better person for the yeah. world than everybody else. But at the end of the day, like you just said, if you can't take care of yourself, mm-hmm. like what good can you do for the planet and everybody else? And for some reason being selfish is a negative term, but I think by being selfish, like George was just saying, like you were just saying, it allows you to be able to be the best person that you can be for everybody else. Because if we all worry about everybody else and we eat like shit, yeah, like what, what good are we? Well, even yeah. like the vegan raw plant-based, not just them, but you know, the people who are like, it saves the planet. It's the best thing for it. They're the same people that have no problem driving a car, getting on a plane, sure. using a train, you know, easy, using single-use plastics, you know, running water all the time, paper towels, toilet paper, like all this shit that you could also be like, okay, like what else are you doing to save the planet that you now are telling me you care so much about aside from this one thing that you watch a YouTube video on or whatever it is that makes you believe you're doing your part when really agriculture, like the way they, you know, grow plants and do things like that agriculturally isn't actually that great for the planet in any way, shape or form. And they're 40 pounds overweight and taking up more space on earth than they should be. Taking sure. up more oxygen. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and <laughs> countless other things. So, I yeah. mean, you could go into the specifics. I think it's pretty well known how fucking shitty a plant-based diet actually is. Like when you look at monocultures and all of that stuff, what was weird that just kind of dawned on me is like, when people look at anything that they're identifying with, like, I don't use single-use plastic ever. Well, you've just made an arbitrary construct that's going to affect how you feel about yourself based on trying to please other people. And that's how most people come to fitness, too. Like, I want to get in shape because of other people. Because you looked in the mirror and you're like, this is what other people see? That's generally what it is. It isn't looking in the mirror and be like, that's not what I want to see. It's, this is what other people see. And other people are doing this, so I'm going to go do the fitness thing. Like, other people are caring about plant-based diet based off of what it's perceived in the world. Not because it makes them feel really good or they think like they've done the research and they know matter of factly eating a majority of grains and beans is the best thing you could do for yourself. Like, well, I mean, I've, ne- I've never said it. I've never heard you say it. I've never heard Aaron or you, George, say it. I, when somebody says, why do you do carnivore? I don't go, oh, it's the best for the planet. I go, it makes me feel the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You don't have to do it. I don't give a shit, but it makes me feel pretty good. So that's why I do it. It's... It's interesting you you bring that up because of the fact that, yes, I feel better doing it, but going back to we talking about saving the planet Mm -hmm. and and leaving a a, a marker of ourselves, what I've noticed going plant, or not going plant, going away from eating more plants and actually eating more meat, my trash consumption has Mm. gone from what it used to be. Yeah, it really has. Gone down now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I never realized that until you said it, but I did notice that. Yeah. Like, we used to fill up, just like as a completely anecdotal thing, we would have, each week, our trash can was like full, full. Yeah. Like, there's like shit coming out of it. And for the past like couple months, we've actually skipped a week because we haven't needed to take the trash out. I yeah. mean, what, you go grab, you can grab 12 steaks from Whole Foods. They'll probably wrap it in two packages of like yeah. brown wrapping paper. 
and you get a shaker of salt and maybe like a plastic container of yeah. like fruit or you just get the fruit and that's like all you have. Yeah. yeah. You don't have like all this packaging from processed foods, you know, so, boxes of cereal and Oreos and yeah, yeah. crackers and p- pasta and all this other shit. I never really thought about that. Yeah. That's it was really so, it's point. something that stand out to me, especially because I have a f- four family home. Yeah. You know, I was like, man, we're throwing a lot of trash away. And then we went, when we started eating carnivore and everything else like that, it was like, oh my God, my trash consumption just went completely down. And Savannah is yeah. the one that called it out, not me. She was like, baby, notice we have less trash. And I was like, that's super weird. Yeah. That's really oh, fascinating. Yeah. I never thought about that. So, or never paid attention yeah. to it, I guess. So I, I've been wrapping my head around this for a couple of years and I've written some stuff down about it. But like, I really truly believe that, like, simply like, if you could get the whole world to just change the way that they eat, mm-hmm. like, not even not carnivore, just to eat like predominantly real food, like you could literally solve all of the world's problems. You could sort of solve pot or pollution, all the violence, all the other bullshit that's going on, like just by simply being like, everybody just eat like this. People, people are. A, less garbage. Yeah. People are now feeling better about themselves. So now there's less violence. They're not consuming ridiculous amounts of alcohol. So all the spousal abuse and child abuse starts yeah. to go away. And it's like, obviously, it's far-fetched because is it ever going to happen? Who knows? But if you think about it, what you guys are just saying, I eat meat predominantly and there's less garbage. Pollution is like one of the world problems that is causing oh, fuck. whatever everybody wants to call it. So it's just a, I don't know. I just fucking hate the fact that our, the leaders of our country are look the way that they do and do the things that they do. And until somebody that actually has powers gets up there and goes, Hey, you guys are all not just killing yourselves, but the fucking planet that we live on, like yeah. nothing's ever going to change. No, we, I mean, we, A, we don't have good leadership. I, I would go one further than that theory because I really like that. I would go, if you can just actually get people to feel specifically yeah. certain things, you would change the entire world. Yep, taking but, them from being desensitized. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, self-awareness, which is kind of funny because that literally is the premise for, like, most sects of Buddhism. It's like self-awareness is enlightenment, and when you feel enlightenment, you're more compassionate with other people, so you, you are less likely to be violent. And you're more likely to like group together and do better things together. So Tony Blower has a quote, no awareness, no chance. Yeah. And yeah. it comes from a, like a self-defense background. Yeah. Like, but he, if anybody follows his system, his system is much deeper than just how to protect yourself against violence. And that's it. It's like, if you have some self-awareness, then you can have situational awareness. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you can have a chance to do whatever you want. And without it, you're fine. And that situation is in a fucking grocery store where you're aware of what different foods do to you. hundred percent. Exactly. And the food is attacking you. Like you are eating shit that is harmful to you and you're aware of it. Yeah. So where, where do you start with that? And so I only ask that from the perspective of like, um, take a child, for example, they don't have that much control, if any, over what they eat. So from, you know, birth until, they get to an age where they get their own food. They're fed sugar and carbs and things to where by the time they're actually old enough to conceive or conceive, to have the thought on how they actually feel, they've now become so desensitized to what good feels like that they no longer even know that they don't feel good. It starts with uh, the parents. It, 
it's an it, I think it comes from yeah. the leadership. Like when you have the leader of our country, like with pictures of him eating McDonald's and whatever else he eats, like nothing's ever going to change in that sense. But it's an education. If we go back to if I educate as many people as I can, and George educates as many people as he can, sure. that that's that's where the start is. What does it really look like? Schools. All of that kind of stuff. I just wish that food was more harmful than it is. Like, I wish the reaction to habits was more <laughs> prominent. It, like, it right, was like, quicker as opposed to, like, yeah. you die at 80 when you started something at 3, you die at 8. Right. So I wrote a piece, I think, or a couple whatever. years ago now, that imagine if... So, like, you eat a piece of chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. And, and you and you see you see nothing happen. Right. But what if you ate that piece of chocolate cake yeah. and instantly... Like your throat was burning and you instantly grew like two inches around your waist. Right. Like now all of a sudden would pe- you people it? would listen. <laughs> yeah. Pe- people would be like, oh, maybe that's not good for me. Why does this hurt? But yeah. Because, because it's this long, slow process of killing yourself, then people don't care. Well, like, I mean, George, no, no awareness. I, I know you have children as well, but. You know, watching Sabella, yeah. like you, you see like the snacks and the choices and the options that you have when you go to the grocery store, right? And it's, I mean, you're obviously educated, Savannah's educated, but you go there and it's like, oh, cheese puffs and crackers and, you know, everybody's like, oh, my baby's crying. Like, here's a cookie, shut up. And then like, I don't know if that's a carb withdrawal. I have no idea. I don't know if you can judge that in a fucking one-year-old baby or not. But if they start at one-year-old where you're giving them stuff where they have no idea how to process what they're feeling, then by the time they can process, they have no idea they don't feel good anymore. So I actually, so it's really cool. I have, you know, having three dollars, I have, you know, my oldest, you know, she comes from a, an environment where that's- You say you had three dollars? Daughters. Oh, sorry. Oh, so you do have three dollars. So I do have three dollars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> both, yes, both. Both. My oldest comes from an environment where it's a carb-dependent lifestyle. It's, it's a Hispanic Mexican culture to where all they eat is beans and rice and that's kind of how they you know they feed food as that's the way you show love and then you know my, my middle child she comes and she just eats rice and chicken I don't, I don't want to interrupt you but it is funny that culturally we show love by making people unhealthy can you imagine if i showed love by giving you cigarettes this, and i was like that's no, it. smoke this it's good it's fun oh, and i got a bottle of vodka and a 12 pack of the car <laughs> yeah, too i'm drink. gonna go grab that, that i love is you the thing, i love you so much that is it so for the story You're so fucking cereal for color. my daughter's birthday she turned eight um her family sent her a care package and guess what the care package consisted of was Tort- this, tortillas uh, close I told you about this. I, I don't remember. It. She got sent a box of Oreos, oh, right, Cheez-Its, Lucas, Mexican candy, potato chips, cheese puffs, and everything around the box said, we love you, we miss you. I about <laughs> fucking blew a casket. You were born eight years ago to the day. Here's food that won't make you last to 16. And you know, and you know what the problem was? is Because their family was talking shit on me because I was teaching her how to eat healthy. So they're so, sending a bunch of yeah, yes, like yeah. overcompensation well, for you. And this is also the behavior. Like, I don't think it's um, I, you know, I love you. This is like I eat this way and I portray myself as caring about myself. Although if I show that other people act the same way, I don't have to confront that, yeah. that, that hypocrisy. Like people yeah. when inherently when they eat shitty food, they kind of know like there's like this like, oh, man. I probably shouldn't eat in a whole pizza and a bottle of vodka and a you know thing of ice cream. I, I think it's usually I shouldn't have eaten half the pizza, but now I feel bad, so I'm going to finish it. 
generally and it's usually like <laughs> oh i had a bad day therefore i'm gonna like sit in the bathtub and eat this yeah. quart so, of ice cream and cry. we'll go back to awareness i don't think people actually understand that what they're doing is actually harming them i, I don't either no so, the most so and, and i'll bring that back to what you were saying is the the one-year-old going through the sugar withdrawals like it starts while the child's still in the womb so my wife's a nutritional therapy practitioner right right uh, she's very very on the holistic side but all of the nonsense about, oh, your baby will just take what it needs and it doesn't matter what you eat is, is like the biggest bullshit lie ever. It sounds very American. So it does. If, if, the, if the mother is eating shit, the baby's going to come out already with the sugar cravings and all of the so other bullshit. The same way if the mom was drinking or doing drugs, they come dependent upon those things. Yeah. Same, same thing. Yeah, same thing. So... Like, and that's the, what do you do? How do you, how do you get people to understand? I mean, I'm about to have my first child. My wife's pregnant right now. And some people would probably think I'm a lunatic. My wife's working out every day. The way that she eats is like even more strict than before she was pregnant because it's not just her life now. There's a child that's depending on her. And once the child's born, like we've had conversations where I'm like, who's going to be able to watch our kid because I don't trust anybody to come, yeah. feed my child what my child needs to be fed because if somebody feeds my child a bunch of shit, I'm going to lose it, right? <laughs> and, <to> Casey. <laughs> and yes, like I'm on the extreme side of things, but it's my responsibility. Yeah. The, I had this freak out the other day with my wife like, holy shit, I'm about to have a child and the child – is going to come out and be completely helpless. It's 100% dependent on me. So it's 100% dependent on me to make good choices for it and to protect it from people trying to give it bad shit. And most people can't even make good decisions for themselves. <laughs> and, and like I see people do it with dogs all the time, and that's you know my filter because that's what I have. I don't have a child. But people project how they feel about the foods they eat onto the children mm -hmm. or the dog where they go like, Oh, you want this piece of meat or you want this cookie? Like, oh, I know you do. Here you go. And like the dog doesn't fucking care. Did, can we just blame the book it program for pretty much an obesity epidemic? Where, you know, remember when you would read a book and you'd get a pizza party? Like you yes, get rewarded. I remember <laughs> oh, that. I was, I was like, like, what's the book it program? I, was like, I think they program. called it something different. It was called mass, this, but. this. Was it this? I forgot the name of it. It was another. It was an S. It was a scholastic. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was corporate partnership with Pizza Hut. Yes. So every time you'd like go get a pizza if you finish this book or like uh, I think you had to finish a couple. It was books like a reward system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, school systems they count pizza as a vegetable. They count French fries as a vegetable. So like <laughs> when they're like, hey, this is how you have to construct a meal for children. They come into school, but they go, well, pizza has tomato sauce on it. It's, and this is no bullshit. That's like how schools, they're like, oh, cool. You have your vegetable, you have your protein, which is so you have a slice of pizza or you have French fries and chicken nuggets. So you have, you know, a vegetable, you have protein, and then, you know, you get a chocolate milk and you're like, cool. Why is everybody in school so fucking fat right now? No shit. <laughs> they're eating nothing but vegetables. Yeah, yeah no, I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I a plant-based diet. Going back to the whole, like, taking care of the kids and it starts with the parents and the awareness of that. When me and Savannah actually switched over to going carnivore, we made Sabella go carnivore. And when I say by going carnivore, we took away all processed sugars. We took away everything that we were given her before. The Gerber foods, the fucking puff snacks, the things. So Savannah was doing that. And like I again, it's my third child. 
third time's a charm. I was like, hey, I'm going to fucking step in and have the responsibility and not just let this happen. So he went that way. You better be careful because people will listen to this and tell you that you're neglecting your child. 100%. By giving them the most nutritious food yeah. on the planet. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like she eats, she eats berries. She eats she eats meat. She eats and yogurt and dairy. She has no attachment to food right now other than what you give her. Correct. But the mom or the dad giving it to the kid has a giant attachment to the food that they're giving. They're like, oh, I eat crackers and Oreos. Yeah. So here... You're like, oh, it's noon. You deserve your snack. Like, what is a fucking snack? Yeah. And I'm not saying yeah. I don't snack. I just had fucking cinnamon bread that London made. Like, I'm by no means perfect. Yeah. But I'm also very aware of when I do stuff like that. I don't feel fucking great right now. And I'm not stoked about it, but it was really fucking delicious. <laughs> well, too. yeah. And, well, and what I'm trying to get to is like, we did her yearly checkup. And she's the 33 percentile of her weight. But all her blood panels were through the roof. Like on the marker and her doctor was like i've never seen a child hit these numbers across the board at such a young age how and, is that fucking possible like it, there should be yeah. nothing wrong in the system exactly the right. if, if that's the case like something is broken it already because yeah. then she was like i see kids coming here at the 50 percentile with their blood panels all fucked up and their parents are like oh i feed them all this stuff and the kid is overweight like michael made a comment about sabella the other day or like a couple weeks ago was like oh she's such a small baby yeah well yeah because she's not eating shit she's yeah. eating real food to where her body metabolizes it properly where we're making sure her body is flexible enough to utilize the food that we give her to make energy uh, and i almost like i feel like there's a thing where people are like oh you got a big baby like yay good and you're like why is that a good thing because it could play football right and if it's naturally <laughs> like i mean i i was a normal sized baby and by the time i was like three i was not normal size <laughs> don't believe that at all <laughs> I, I, I was like seven pounds 12 ounces when i was born oh, oh no wow. shit yeah i was bigger than you when i was born. yeah i wasn't i wasn't a big baby so it's like you just are a big baby now yeah yeah i grew into being a big baby <laughs> I don't it's remember where I was nuts. going with that, but eh. either either way, it's like I, if your baby looks if it if it looks in a way that isn't like almost fat, people are like, "Oh, you got a small baby." I know that's not what you yeah, meant. Yeah, when you said yeah. it, no, no, not at all. I think societally, that's like, "Oh, yeah, George's baby's kind of small." Well, that's the thing. Savannah like got upset about it. She was like, "Oh my god, I'm not feeding my baby enough." I'm like, "No, babe, you're doing the right things." Yeah, like it, we you, don't have an overweight. One you also old. have Listen, no we're idea. We're trying to get her ready for top model. You need to start now. <laughs> There's also no gauge for like how big your baby should be at any age. Yeah. Like I, when somebody says your baby's small, you're like, or it's the size she's supposed to be. Like you don't see a 30 year old that's five foot four and go, oh, you're really fucking small. What happened? Like this is what I got. Hookworm. <laughs> I drank too much coffee as a kid. I don't know. I mean, if you if you look at pictures from how even I would say even if you go back to our generation of kids, if you look at like a class picture, there's the one or two fat kids uh -huh. in school. Yeah, George, and George, and now yeah. if you look, there's the one or two, or two skinny. skinny kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally and like, opposite. And now they're the ones that are are like neglected because their parents aren't feeding them shit. Like my wife's boys, she has four boys. They're all like tall, skinny, and they're the outcasts. They all have abs, weird, like young boys that have abs. That's yeah, like not do a nothing but run around. Not all a, day. not Play. a normal yeah. thing anymore. It's fucked. It's so, people have opinions because they don't want to see the truth. They don't want to be aware that they made their kid a fat fuck. Right. Yeah. For I, sure. I think I might have told you this a little while ago. A good friend of mine, Jesse Burdick, he has two twin daughters. Um, 
Casey, she's the taller. I don't. I'm definitely not going to say more athletic, but she is fucking gifted. They're they just turned 13 uh, a year ago when she was 12, and I mean they go to the gym with Jesse. They're avid volleyball players. They're amazing at it. They're great at volleyball. They like they're constantly doing sports. She wouldn't like. I don't remember the scenario. She like kept pulling her shirt down while she was doing like playing volleyball because it kept coming up from whatever you do when you play volleyball. And she was doing that because she was embarrassed that she has abs. Huh. And I just found that fascinating. Wow. That's pretty good. Because that she she looks so much different, I would assume. And I don't know what her thought is around that, but than the standard kid does these days. Because she probably gets shamed, oh, you're so skinny, you're this, you're that, when really she looks the way that a kid's supposed to look. Sure. And all the other kids are borderline diabetic. Well, it goes back to the whole coaching aspect, right? The self-awareness of a coach when you walk into a gym. If my coach is overweight and telling me to do something, why would I listen to that? Or doctor or a doctor or hey, your blood panels unhealthy yeah i bet yours are too yeah 100 yeah. percent. but that's the thing <laughs> what though, are you right? doing about it it's like no one's okay with walking into a facility look at the coach and being like oh my god why is that coach overweight and i'm gonna go ahead and pay him a service to go ahead and help me get healthy you're, you're setting yourself up for failure it's the same exact way when you look at your kids it's like oh i'm not the problem <laughs> yeah never no, yeah. no one's ever the problem it's always someone else's it's external fault. Yeah. Mistakes were made, but not by me. And that goes back to working on yourself. Yeah. And being okay with being like, yeah, you know, I had bad information at the time. I didn't look into it. You know, no parent fucking does the right thing 100% of the time. But if you keep working on trying to do the right thing, I assume maybe at some point you'll get to some epiphany to where you can start doing better. Well, look at the first, like, workouts you programmed for people oh dude. however many years <laughs> sure and, and i think under- about it all the time and understand be like man what the fuck was i thinking i was thinking at least yeah. though i was yeah. like i'm trying to do the best job that i can and so you're you're in a learning phase and that's kind of how raising kids is sure. you're like oh this happened and you're like i could say this and that would be funny but it probably wouldn't help <laughs> it's only gonna make the situation worse right. or remove your ego from being you know super dad and be like oh i think i you know, I'm really good to my kids. I love them. I play with them, but I give them pizza three nights a week. And I look at them and I go, man, that's probably not good. Yeah. Cool. Like, we'll start making it better today and don't care about what past dad did. What is future dad going to do? Yeah. Right. Because same, same thing. Like, I mean, I was an alcoholic essentially in my early 20s. I don't go, man, I wish I wasn't an alcoholic in my early 20s. I don't even think about it. Well, yeah, that's the same deer-wolf analogy. Right, You're like, yeah, about the same. And, and this is kind of where, I mean, the whole trauma, like my dealing with my traumas. I mean, we see it all the time, especially in like ayahuasca circles where you're like, people are coming there to deal with some trauma that they haven't gotten past. And really, it's a feature of the universe does not give a fuck about you. Just move on. If you dodged a bullet, be thankful that you dodged it and get the fuck out of the way of the next one. Yeah. And there's like there's some things that are hard to deal with you, like constantly go, oh, yeah, I'm like this because my dad was this way or this person said that or Stop I was fat or clinging to it. Yeah. But if you if you're allowing that to be your identity, um, it's really hard to unweave a trauma that is your identity. It's it's a lot easier to just understand that the universe is kind of shitty sometimes and you're in the bad circumstance, but it has to do with like, where am I at now? Am I safe? Yeah, I'm good. Nobody's trying to hurt me right now that I know of. So therefore alarm bells go off, relax, go into a state where you can recover and understand that in the future, somebody's going to try to fuck you up. 
And if you if if you take the time to make it worse than it is, you're making it worse than it is. It's like uh, Hamlin's razor is infinitely helpful to me, which is essentially, um, you know, don't attribute malice where you can attribute ignorance. Hmm. Like the person didn't try to fucking hit me with their car. They completely didn't see me. Right. They're just like unaware. And you're like, oh, that person just isn't paying attention. That's hilarious. They're probably fat. I don't like I don't (laughs) they don't pay attention (laughs) to their car. They don't know the size of themselves. It's all the same problem. It's unawareness. Yeah. And I just said, like, man, there's a lot of time where I'm unaware. Like, I'll go to change lanes. Oh, shit. I was not paying attention. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I probably want that person to die, but not right now because (laughs) of me. Just as like a feature of mathematics in an overpopulation, uh, some people are going to have to go. Yeah. If it's me, it's me. But if it's the other person, that's better. Well, so I guess if it stick to the program is just trying to develop self awareness for each other and fucking get right? your... <laughs> and figure and figure out the population issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it'll figure itself out. It's, it's, it's working on it already. Yeah, it's straight not up. A, there's a lot of problems that we try to solve that just create more problems. Yeah, and I think like letting things be, and some of this is like. The things that technology does for us are great, but we don't acknowledge all the side effect things. And we really are dealing with ancient systems as our brain and whatever, our chemical reactions, all of that stuff is kind of antiquated. It's it's the equivalent of of running like, I don't know, the newest fucking um, uh, hardware on old software. It's like, you know, we take Windows fucking 95 and put it in a brand new computer and you're like it's gonna be kind of fucked up yeah yeah the i mean you guys might have some interesting thoughts on this but the majority of our system is based on our reptilian brain survival mm-hmm. and then we have the new part of our brain the prefrontal, prefrontal cortex, cortex with all of the emotion-based stuff and still like we haven't figured out how to make the two work together and that's where people are fucked up. Like we have this survival sense where we don't give a fuck about anybody else and we just need to survive. But then there's that other piece going like, well, what about this person's feeling? And what about this? And then we end up with stress about trying to please other people and trying to do this and trying to do that. And we end up in this weird place. And until people learn to manage what's actually going on go back to awareness again they're aware of like the the brain and how everything works i i think you're i mean i agree with all of that the the thing i think that gets in the way of of all of that um is if you have a mind the mind is the new part like the self-awareness um is the problem because it's uh self-referential so it gets stuck on loops like it's your mind is the equivalent of a, a mirror facing another mirror, right? Like it, it just bounces back and forth infinitely until it gets the process. And it's really hard to direct a mirror and get the reflection that you're looking. Like it's hard to observe through two mirrors. Yeah. Like you're, you're having to deal with all sorts of problems. So that's essentially your mind is just there to observe things. But we've been convinced, especially through modern education, that our mind is, you know, the thing that makes the decisions for us. We make logical decisions, right? Like I woke up and I put on these shoes because today is a technical hiking day. And these are the shoes that I bought that they're Gore-Tex. They have all these like 
implications and technicalities that I have made logical decisions towards wearing. But in reality, that's only like a fraction of it. I bought these shoes because they're the cool color and I got changed the laces because I felt emotionally I want to express myself like this and we ignore that whole part. It makes me feel good when I put them on. Right. They feel good on my feet. We forget how to actually deal with feelings, which is the the real thing that living organisms are. They're like feeling machines. Yeah. Like our nervous system is uh, you know, our way to kind of travel through the universe kind of deal. Yeah. And the mind literally just gets in the way, especially with how we look at it. Like, oh, look how mindless is he's being. He's not paying attention. But your mind is just there to observe what your body is pretty much doing on its own. Your body is living, breathing, feeling, like doing all of the things that keep you alive. If your mind was in charge of that, you'd be dead in like five minutes because yeah. it would forget to breathe. It would forget to, you know, it, it would it would lose track of all of these things because it can't, you can't even not think for 60 seconds. That's how fucking terrible you are at controlling your mind. Therefore, that becomes the problem. We're, we've been convinced that we're a logical society. We're not. We're still animals that have nervous systems that don't exactly know what's going on chemically, right? Like something happens, you just get this profound sadness out of nowhere. It's just a fucking chemical going off in your body and you're so out of tune that if you're like me, you seek to blame somebody for how you're feeling. Because you don't know what else to do. So you're like, oh, logically, it's this fucking person who's the problem. It's not just like randomness, which yeah. it most likely is just chemicals going because I ate a certain thing or I didn't sleep enough or, you know, I, all, all of that together. Everything combined yeah. creates X. Yeah. And I, I'm not smart enough to put all the variables together. Therefore, whoever gets in my crosshairs, that's the fucking enemy. And instead, yeah. it's just like, oh, I feel sad today. Right on. And that's the crazy part. I guess I'm part, just going to feel sad. Is that a lot of people associate feeling and emotion as the same thing. Mm. And they're not. No. A feeling is its own entity and emotion is its own entity. Emotion yeah. is in the mind. Feeling is in the body. Well, it's the same like when you ask somebody like when they walk in the gym, how do you feel? Uh, and they start going through this process of thinking about the things that happened to tell you how they feel instead of being able to tell you how they feel. I, I wouldn't say two entities. I'd say... Okay. Um, feeling is the tool and emotion is the state. Cool. There we go. Right. Like, so like the, because you can, you have emotions uh, towards pretty much every different state. And, and some of them are very neutral and some of them are very like antagonized and some of them are, you know, positive and negative. How we associate them as positive, negative, but they're not actually like that. And this is the problem I was trying to, uh, somebody came up with a pretty good excuse for this, but I was trying to like, what is the fucking reason, evolutionary-wise, uh, for sadness? Like, why would it have ever promoted um, progression of the species or, you know, survival in any kind of sense to feel sad about something? And I couldn't figure out, like, I, that was the one I was like, it's like a fucking mystery about why some of these chemicals go off. Why are they useful? Yeah. Like, why would melancholy be anything? Why would depression what? be a feature of it? Why is happy useful? Well, because the chemical release, and this is where it came by sadness, is just the polarity for a useful signal, oh. right? So when you get a dopamine response from seeking out like, holy shit, I'm like this honey is so good. I found the honey. That means I'm trying to seek out pleasure seeking, which usually has to do with sustain, sustaining life. Food, sex, all of that stuff is chemically related to joy and happiness. Yeah. 
And in order to feel anything, you need polarity. Because if you're happy all the time, it means you're not happy at all. Because <laughs> you can't differentiate the difference between happy and not happy unless you have sadness. sadness yeah. So that's the only reason I could come to is like all these depressive, sadness, melancholy, um, fear, anxiety, all of these things are the feature of being able to recognize and actually uh, notice the good ones, the ones that help us survive, the help, the ones that help us sustain. Same as like starvation and being full. Exactly. Or being hungry off these contrasts. Right? Yeah. Because if you never knew you were hungry, you'd right. never become full and you would die. Right. Well, it was like that other night when I sat there and asked you, I was like, why is everyone so fucking happy? <laughs> and your response was because they choose they're to. They're faking yep. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, literally, that's, that was literally my thought process. Was like they're fucking faking it because right. how did they just experience everything that they did and I experienced what I did and I fucking hate everyone right now. I mean, it's perspective. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a shift in perspective. And, and honestly, you probably set yourself up for that. Because <laughs> I do it all the time. I sure I, do. And when it happens, all I can do is laugh because I actually kind of like those shifts. Yeah. I, I like I have this thing chemically where I get these like deep states of melancholy and I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I describe it as it's nostalgia for sadness or or like sorrow. Huh. Right? It's, I'm not like actually sad in the moment, but I'm feeling like a reflection of when I was. And it's like actually sorrow feels good. Um, because your system is trying to actually compensate for it. It's almost like exercise. Like at the peak of intensity, it's fucking terrible. But the second you ride that loop and the, the body starts to compensate and floods your system with all sorts of whatever, you're like, I feel fucking fantastic. Sorrow does the same thing. So is that, you think that's being considered fit? Is like, like me being able to recognize the two different emotions that I'm having right mm -hmm. offers me to really truly be fit not yeah, just from a physical but also a a, a mental standpoint right? to, to understand the difference between anything you have to have contrast yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you need polarity and, and like for me suffering mm -hmm. which would be closer to the state of like sadness or mm -hmm. sorrow like i crave that feeling of suffering from yeah what it brought me through my fighting career yeah. like there was constant suffering through that whether it was cutting weight yeah. the training the long hours whatever so like now i don't have any of that i don't have yeah i really have no reason to suffer in a in a physical sense right now other than the fact that i choose to and i feel like it's the middle of the day and it's hot i'm gonna go sit in the garage with everything shut with a sweatshirt on on the assault bike for an hour just because I'm gonna go cut weight for nothing. <laughs> That's literally what just, Casey said. But it, but it's right. So it for nothing. But it's for it's sure, for the for it's, something. It's yeah. for that feeling because like in the middle of it, you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? And as soon as you hit that point where you're like, okay, I'm almost done, or I get off, and I'm like, that was amazing. I feel great. And yeah, it's, and it's and that's the contrast. It's, that you're it's the about. it's the um, the letting go of like I build it. It's the same. If you listen to music or play music, you understand that they're like you're building something in the song, and then there's a crescendo and it releases. Like there needs to be a release for people to go. Oh, okay. You build up this intensity, and then when you release it, you have these like emotional states that come out of the buildup of it. And it's the same thing for music as it is for training, as it is for sometimes, you know, whatever activity you're into. Yeah. 
because we are feeling machines. Yeah. And I think if you're not like trying to feel different things in, in in contrast, if you're always just trying to feel good all the time, you're actually never going to feel good. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why I asked, like, does that make us even more fit being able to feel more, right? The mm -hmm. more sensitive to feeling, we become that much more fit. Yeah, because you're more aware. Because you're more aware, yeah. right? That's that's kind of where I was going with that, was that idea of that. It's like everyone thinks they're being fit, but realistically, the lack of awareness you have, you're not fit at all. Right. Yeah, like as if you're just like stupid strong and just like yank on a bar until it comes up, but you're like breaking everything in your body. You're like, man, that guy's super strong, but meh, he's you, not really. You mean he's stupid strong? He means stupid strong. <laughs> now I understand that term for the first time ever. <laughs> he's so stupid that he expresses strength in a way that hurts himself. <laughs> We've all been there. For sure. Well, I've never been stupid strong. I've been stupid. But okay, never, yeah, I guess ne I never, can. but never with strength. <laughs> I've, been, I've been stupid trying to get strong. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That's it. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I don't know if I like the word "fit" for it, but I think the fact that people think that you can become—I um, might have to use "fucking fit." God damn it—that <laughs> like just going to the gym and not creating awareness around what we're talking about right now and a multitude of other things doesn't get you to where people think they want to go yeah is i think that's like if, does that we work? can even take fit and put it healthy i, I think you go well, back to the 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 buddhist principles of of being enlightened like that's that's really all we're all doing in the gym and through our nutrition is we're trying to reach this enlightened state it all means it means something different to each of us but we walk into the gym to chase this feeling mm -hmm. to have these experiences to be a little bit closer to the to the point that we want to be, whether whether you call it enlightened or whatever the fuck sure. else. And it helps inform everything else we do, yeah. as opposed to just being mm -hmm. the small microcosm of like, oh, the rest of my life doesn't matter as long as I'm in the gym. And you're like, no, it matters a lot. Yeah. Well, and that's like the contrast of physical pain during a self-inflicted session. Um, th there's no real, and this is where you get, careful with the terminology because you're like there's no real comparison at least on the surface between the suffering you do on an assault bike <laughs> and the suffering you do in chemo like you can't really compare the two but you actually can because people that go back and forth go man i wouldn't have been able to deal with this unless i had learned and practiced dealing with that we had uh, a client of ours a, a long time ago um it, she, I talked her into like trying to work out because I was building a clientele. It's like wh one of my first clients. And so she came in and then I had to talk her into going hard. And she was like, why? Like it didn't make any sense to her. Like why would you treat yourself this way? But she ended up like feeling all the chemicals, feeling all of those sensations, seeing her body change, becoming more confident. All that stuff happened over the course of like six months to a year. And then she got pregnant, so she was like backing off because she was a high risk. She's a very like low body. She's like 110 pounds, so she's like super low body weight. She had to be really careful. So she just come in and like we do yoga and stuff, and you know not yoga but whatever, really basic movement stuff. And then she had a terrible miscarriage, like really far into it, and it was a mess and it was painful. And she came back out of it after like weeks of recovery and we're like taking it easy. And the first thing she said is like, there's no way I would have known how to go through that unless I'd like understood how to suffer a little bit. You're yeah. like, uh, well, I mean, you, you have to go through hardships to know how to deal with going through hardships. Right. 
And sometimes those need to be facilitated or manifested in an artificial environment to at least get the ball rolling to understand yeah. how you process and deal with whatever the voices are in your head that are telling you like not to do this or this is hard or you know stop when you're like no no I need to keep pushing through the same idea I think when you're like hey you have cancer and you got to go through chemo and you're going to be sick and it's going to suck if you've never done anything that sucks that's really going to suck yeah but if you've done shit I think yeah that involves some sucking and it doesn't have to be the gym but it has to be something that makes you <laughs> push past the level of comfort being comfortable that you're unfamiliar with if you've never done that before how do you just deal with it all of a sudden when like your fucking life is on the line yeah. and you're just like cool i'm just gonna sit on this couch fuck chemo because that sounds hard and i'm just gonna lay here until i die because yeah. i don't know how to do anything else because that's actually all i've been doing anyways it's it's a skill to deal with hardships to deal with suffering to deal mm -hmm. with any adversity in your life it's it's a mental skill yeah. and you're in a sense in the gym outside running, whatever you're doing, you're manufacturing an environment to work on those skills. In, you, in you, a can't, low you can't practice real life. Right. It, you just have to trust your training in a sense. Yeah. So when it comes, you at least have a little bit of experience to pull from and it's not perfect, but you at least have something that you're like, oh, this is kind of feels like this. Because, what, 100 mm. years ago, you didn't need the gym because life was fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now uh, in the last 50, 70, 80 easy. years, we have to manufacture hardship. hardship because everything in life, especially if you grow up in the United States, for the most part, everything's comfortable. There's an answer. There's a fix. There's a, there's a couch or a recliner or an air conditioner or a heater or something that just allows you to be comfortable all of the time. And I use I use this model um, for jujitsu as like some axioms that help me understand like what to practice and where to practice. And that, that that's like the concept that position and pressure and time like are how you advance that whole thing. Yeah, so you make diamonds. It's literally the same thing. Like almost everything responds to pressure and time. Yep. And and your position yeah. in that. So like without pressure you can't hold anything down and without proper timing and the structure of position you're just uh, like ethereal like you just you wouldn't exist just, you yeah. need some kind like life needs pressure in order to to give it and I, this was a really weird uh, thought that i had the other day because me and george were talking about some darker shit <laughs> talk about like suicide and like you know why why the brain why is an animal especially like humans and there's some bird species that actually commit suicide which is really interesting um but why as an animal where the feature of life is to proliferate why the brain would turn on the organism yeah. and 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 basically inform it to cut itself out of its existence that that's like a phenomenon that is so bizarre and instead of looking at it we kind of like oh man it's a feature of that person is so we blame it on all sorts of things we call it a mental disease and you're like yeah. i don't think that it is a mental disease i although there are chemical obstructions that are a feature of getting people to go that way um, but it also doesn't map well with the people who have it basically worst in life, like war zones, you know, terrible fucking traumatic atrocities. Yeah, suicide's like the last thing they think it about. It is the very last. It's like all the numbers drop. But as soon as society becomes like prolific and life becomes easy, suicide rates go up. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of 
is that and this is this is getting out there so maybe some people will be super mad at me but uh, like the thought made sense to me almost immediately that perhaps it's the universe's way of removing things that don't appreciate their existence so the universe goes oh you don't want to be here get the fuck out of the way there's plenty of life that needs to exist you're in the way so chemicals flip remove yourself from the situation there's only so much room for life and if you don't appreciate your experience fucking check out that's funny you say that because we were talking about suicide yesterday on the podcast and Mm -hmm. i actually was like you know, or we're talking to Savannah about it because we're talking about passing the threshold and there's no coming back from it. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever been in the position where you have a gun up to your head and you're ready to pull the trigger, your mind starts to question. Mm. And it starts to like, hey, <clears throat> should I be here? And if you don't appreciate life in that moment, then yeah, it's easy to pull the trigger. But it gives you the the, the opportunity to appreciate life to mm-hmm. potentially walk away from that. That's a contrast. It when is. it's about to end, you're like, the question comes up. You're like, is Holy this fuck. is this it? Because if this is the end of the road, then you start questioning whether you want the game. That's a hundred percent the truth. Like yeah. I've been in that position where it's literally like pistol to my head, yeah. and the reason why I put it down was because I was able to appreciate life right in that moment yeah. when everything that led up to it, I wasn't appreciating life at all. And th- this will get super hokey. Like this is people are probably going to be like, "Man, Michael's super on a fucking weird side." But I really genuinely believe that if like I don't believe in a like there's no divine purpose. I'm not a personal creator kind of person. I'm still fucking with Cthulhu. But <laughs> if if an organism like human had a purpose, like most animals know their purpose. They are, you know, dam builders and fucking other animals is their purpose. That's all they do. They eat grass and they hump. Like that's kind of their deal. Humans are really close to that, except we have this ability to actually recognize and appreciate what's around us. Like we're the only organism that can really like express that that we know of. Although maybe some orcas or something like that, whales of some sort can do that. Um, Satoshians, I guess the class would be. But really, like, when I think of humans, they're just mirrors in every sense of the word, right? They're they're mirrors and they're self-reflective. They're paradoxical. But they also, you look into a mirror to appreciate something about it. Like, you reflect on yeah. it. Like, the, all the all those terms, that's about appreciating. So if you, if you don't believe in a grand creator like I do, I do believe in the process of creation, though. Like, s- creation happened whether you think it was like a guy with a beard or not there there's some process that happened that now there's everything instead of nothing so you kind of like you can't like disagree with the act of creation something created something and whatever you want to i just refer to that that's the universe that's you know and then there's suns and those suns generated heat and they're putting out so much energy that that's creative energy Right, with enough stuff circling around pressure. it for billions of years, there's enough pressure and time that you get something out of it. And then we come up out of that randomness and whatever you want to think about it and evolve into the species that can look up and go, What in the fuck? Like and I, I, I this sounds really savvy, but I think a feature of our depression, like our depressive states in Western society, is the fact that our cities outshine our universe. Huh. And it's just perspective because as soon as you get outside of the city and you look up, you basically pay tribute to what man did for 200,000 years. And they look up and go, what the fuck am I? Like, what in the hell is all of this shit? It's insanity. And if it doesn't change your system immediately to go like, I got to figure some stuff out. When you look up at the stars, you're like, I just fucking want to blow my head off. Something 
is definitely wrong chemically yeah. that you should probably look into it. But if you like, if, if, if like a normal person that has normal pressures and in normal position in life and no, all of these normalcies that cr- let life proliferate, the only thing to do as a human animal is depreciate. Yeah. Is to like show appreciation for like the fact that you got to see it. Yeah. Well, I think going back to the selfishness of life, you know, everybody says like, oh, all life is sacred. And I think that's bullshit. I think sure. my life is sacred to sure. me. <laughs> because at some point, and that should be how everybody thinks, because at some point in this room, like in some order, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Maybe in 30 seconds because a bomb gets dropped in this building or something happens. But at some point, everybody in this room in some way or another is going to die. And if Michael dies and I go, oh, Michael's life was so sacred. I, I can't I can't go on living. What, like, yeah. what, what is the use of that? As opposed to just being like, oh, I'm like, I'm really appreciative that I got to know him. He had a big impact on my life. You know, he was a very good friend, mentor, etc. How do I continue to, you know, maintain how I feel about my own being and move forward? And maybe at some point you go, I can't and I don't want to get out of the way. Yeah, I, I'm totally on board with all that. But it's like the whole like trying to save everybody and everything and nobody's willing to actually just save themselves and appreciate the life that they have and look up at the fucking stars and be fuck, I can't believe I'm going to say this, be grateful that they have the ability to do that and just move forward with like, my life is sacred. How do I want that to look? So, yeah. so the thing about the stars is like really interesting and hits home for me. So I had spent basically like my entire twenties into my thirties sacrificing normal life to follow my dream to be a professional athlete and fight. I didn't do a lot of things, a lot of holidays, birthdays, like all that shit missed. Didn't care. I don't regret any of it. Mm -hmm. After I started riding bikes and I bought a sprinter van and we, one of the first trips in it, we went out and we were up like somewhere in the Sierras, drove down this dirt road that my brother knew and like went and camped at this place. And I looked up and I was like, holy (laughs) shit. I have a very similar story. Yeah. I haven't seen this in a decade. This is yeah. amazing. I can't believe that this exists. And it was like, it was one of those moments where it was like, nature is way cooler than yeah. I ever imagined. Yeah. And it was kind of, that was probably at the start of my, okay, I'm not fighting anymore. There's so much more to life than what my life looked like before. Mm-hmm. What else is there? What else can I do that the appreciation of just being alive in a sense? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, I don't, uh, in my twenties when I was like really angry and really shitty as like a human being and thought like it was, you know, not dark. It was just like a feature of my evolution. It's like, I, you have to go through these crucibles. Mine just happened to be like hating all of humanity and thinking that all of this shit is pointless. And whenever I tie that attitude to what was going on, I was always in a well-lit city. And it went away the second I went out into the desert, which is my appreciation for the desert. It's like whenever I go into the desert and look up, you're like, ah, Jesus Christ. Like this 200 years ago, this is all there was. That's all there was, was every night other than like a full moon. You're looking up at like the most insane thing and you have no idea what it is. You make up stories. They tell you things. But really, you're like, what, what the fuck? And so that the whole creation process for me was in the desert. Um, 
you know, taking a massive amount of psychedelic drugs, but also (laughs) understanding that like, like my, I wouldn't exist without my mother and my father, but really you're a son of our son. Like that's what it, you are a feature of our son's ability to generate energy and put energy into this planet and the surrounding planets at the right time and right position so that we can exist. And the only thing you can do by being a good reflector is by mimicking what gave you life, like mimicking the process that allowed you to be, which is to put energy into something so that other people can actually grow and foster life and do their whole thing. So whenever I'm like, I get, and I've said this before on the podcast, like whenever I get to a weird place where I'm like, kind of, you know, fucking hate people, because it'll happen. (laughs) It's happened pretty recently (laughs) where I'm like, fuck everybody. And you do your little workout and you're tired. You do your sweat angel and you're like, man, I work so hard and I don't have a Maserati or whatever. And you like figure, like I just put out 15 minutes of effort and I'm like panting and breathing like a little bitch. And you look up and you're like, our son has been there for fucking billions of years, just generating fucking energy nonstop so that we can do this. Like get the fuck off of the floor and make something. You're so pathetic. Like (laughs) you're not a good reflector unless you just keep going, keep moving, like keep creating things, keep putting energy into very specific people and positions and pressure and put everything, apply everything that the universe applied to you so that you can be and everything will be fine and then you'll die and you'll be happy that you did it yeah you have to keep going forward <laughs> right. that's it or remove yourself because you don't appreciate it and on a totally different note have you guys listened to the latest joe rogan podcast with mike tyson i haven't but I haven't i've, I've heard about it from year. a bunch of people it's fucking like all the creation stuff yeah he's like aliens and psychedelics yeah. and you gotta listen to it it's fucking <laughs> great yeah, mike tyson's a phenomenal human and, being and, he's so fucking crazy and he is i followed him like that was the era that i grew up in i remember oh, yeah. being three years old watching his first yeah. fights and that was the guy that like put me on the path yeah, that fighting. i ended up on but he's so fucking smart yeah like He's he, a, he's an emotional fucking genius. Like his his ability to feel is definitely on another level. He said some shit about how everybody used to think that he was delusional, uh-huh. and he basically said something that it's only delusional if you're not willing to put the work in to make it reality. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's fucking like yeah, like for especially like for the life that he's lived, it was like one of those moments where I was like. It's about as honest as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I I mean, what else? Like, it takes such, like, hubris to envision a future that doesn't exist yet. You have to be the most arrogant motherfucker to be like, man, one day I want to do this. Like, whether you're an astronaut or a fucking heavyweight champion, there has to be some kind of fucking egotistical drive to, like, think I could do that. But then there's all the humility that goes behind it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you just remain arrogant, oh, yeah, I can do this, and you don't put anything behind it, you're just a fucking Well, that would actually be arrogant, right? Yeah. As opposed to what you're saying is, you know, create something, put energy into something. People just have lavish ideas that nobody else can understand, so they put, I guess what I would perceive as a negative word attached to it, or delusional, or egotistical, and just like, no, this is how I see it. This is what I'm going to make happen. Yeah. And if you don't make it happen, and you just go, oh, I could, though. 
There, there's definitely I mean, this guy, there's setbacks everywhere, and there should be because that's pressure. Yeah, right. It's 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 testing your idea of yourself. We should have friction. Well, it goes back right. to the hardship. You yeah. need it because if you can't, you won't move forward. You just stay where you are. You'll be complacent in your position, which is what most people do. And if you're you know complacent in your position, you're standing still. You're not moving forward. You're just dying. Yeah. Right. You're just dying and not doing anything. You're just laying there. Um, and it that, just takes 80 years, just takes which 80 is years unfortunate. <laughs> it does take way too fucking long. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of bizarre how, I mean, there there's like, it's definitely, I mean, whenever I have to pay taxes, I'm like, oh yeah, fucking setback, the world suck. It like literally moves me back like a month because I'm like, what the fuck is the point? We worked our asses off and we do everything right and then we're honest and then you get fucked. And you're like, why the fuck would we get taxed for productivity? Like tax people drinking fucking soda and tax people for having children. Like tax people for taking part in things and spending. Don't tax people on like creating. That's a fucking ridiculous notion to me. The fat tax in Japan. Could, could yeah, you, right. Could you argue that having a kid is creating? Kinda. You're creating a fucking mess maker. <laughs> you're creating another pollutant. True. So it, it'd be a tax on... Uh, I guess how shitty of a parent you are, but when, but when you have a kid, you get to write it off. So it's like the opposite. Sure, it is the opposite. <laughs> I mean, it's for sure yeah, the opposite. Really, hundred percent the opposite. Ridiculous of how it goes. Well, because you, you get rewarded for having a child, but you don't get rewarded if you create a business that helps other people. Right, you get taxed yeah. for doing that. You so get you, you get fucked, and then in you California. get employees, for sure. and then you get oh, taxed dude. again, <laughs> and then you get taxed yeah. again, and you're like, what, "Where's my tax break for helping create this thing that's seven sure. or eight making other people. society fucking possible?" Yeah. Right, which is the only way is through like a a productive commerce, technological advancement. All of these things are a byproduct of capitalism. That's it. And you can argue like, yeah, I don't believe in like pure capitalism isn't a thing. I for sure like socialism is the fucking most terrible thing you could probably do to people um, in, in a general sense. So there's some balance there that because, you know, position takes pressure on both sides. Yeah. Like in order to hold something that's good, you need pressure all around it. Um, but the feature of like any obstacle, whether it's taxes, whether it's like a setback, an injury, that the feature is like every time it happens, you kind of have to decide what kind of person you are. And, and the, the person that I refuse to be is somebody that thinks that pretty much every scenario is either a blessing or a curse, mm-hmm. right? And there are those people that are just like, oh, I'm so blessed. And you're like, so it wasn't a feature of your manifestation? Like, you're just lucky? Or it's, I'm cursed. Like, so you didn't do anything to influence this you bad thing. You don't make that, bad decisions? Or, right. And, and the other kind of per the only other type of person to be is neutral or accept challenges. Hmm. To be like, okay, um, I have to give into the system with a bunch of fat fucking politicians who decide who gets a break and who doesn't. We just happen to be part of the demographic that gets totally fucking raped. So the challenge is to figure out how to get out of that. Yeah, Like it's a problem that can be solved. How can we advance and not feel this feeling? And yeah. then now I'm just trying to change my future feelings because I think I can do it. That's just th- pressure though. For yeah, me. I think I can get to a place where, man, tax season rolls around and go, yeah, that sucks, but I'm not in that place where it was crippling. Yeah. And, and I think it's also changing the perspective of like unwanted pressure. Right. It's like, no, like, yeah, of course, I don't want this kind of pressure because I'm doing this good. But at the same time, this pressure here is offering me a a chance to change position, to offer me a chance to go ahead and grow, to go ahead and get out of this bracket wherever I'm at. Yeah. You know, 
I, sure. I think that's it right there. I don't think there's a, a thing of bad pressure. I think it's just looking at the pressure in a different way. Yeah, it's perspective. Yep. Right. Uh, and you can have like some of have internal pressure that is like unreal, yeah. like this weird drive. I mean, Keegan sees it all the time when I'm like, like fighting myself because I haven't done what I know that I think I can get done. And it's just internally created pressure in order to push a certain direction. And if you're in the way, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all I can say. But I mean, I think anybody that does anything that's worthwhile has has that within themselves. Like if you're not putting pressure on yourselves, mm-hmm. then like, what the fuck are you doing? You're just like. You're Sam. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, straight up. No shit. Straight up. Is, is this Sam live a mediocre life or does. No, I mean, he, he lives a pretty cool life. Like he, he has an he existence. He lives a hardship free yeah. life at the moment it's so mediocre i mean you could you could express it that way i mean he would say it's really great but then he does get into these modes where he's just like kind of doesn't yeah. know what to do because it's too easy that, and that's like when, you're, if when not, your if biggest not, issue is like i think i watch too much television or yeah man let's, i really gotta keep pulling stop that looking thread at and see what's down there because right. it's something else there, there's something that's actually pretty funny about that um and watching somebody find how hardship is good for them is really interesting. So living in California, especially Southern California yeah. and like North County, San Diego, like I am surrounded by the entitled world. Oh, for sure. Especially the young, the young kids and failure is like non-existent. Like it's, they're like, not allowed to, it's the, no, they're not allowed Nobody to wants their kid to feel bad. But, yeah. So the parents give them, everything and failure pressure whatever you want to call it if you don't learn if you don't have that in your life you literally you sit there and go like this this is my life this is really funny just because it happened last night so london she's 12 um she's a tiktoker like she's your typical fucking 12 year old she's a tiktoker she's a tiktoker the she's fact dancing that you can even all the time. say that is like a noun yeah or right to describe somebody oh, is terrible well last night she's like you know, going to do her homework. And she's like, I don't remember any of the States, of the United States is like, I, man, looking at a map, I don't see how that's useful at all. To be honest, like I'm never going to be like in Kentucky and be like, good thing. I remembered the shape of these arbitrary borders that they put on here. Like it, uh, or like, you know, I, a good thing I'm going to, she's like, who would name the state Ohio? And I was like, I don't know somebody that massacred the tribe of Ohio and then <laughs> what? wanted to pay tribute. So they <laughs> called the state. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's true. And then she started talking about her teacher and she's like, you know, um, he was talking about how he had divorced. He's been divorced three times. And like one of his wives died. He's like, he's talking to you 12 year olds about this. Like he needs a friend. Jesus. <laughs> and, then, and then she's like, yeah. And, uh, he has a DUI. And I was like, he told you he has a DUI. And she's like, no, we looked it up. And I was like, what did you look it up on? And she was like, we just looked it up. And I was like, no, you didn't. And I was like, how do you know he has a DUI? She's like, well, my friend, her brother looked it up. And I was like, and you looked it up after and found out that that's true. And she's like, well, no. And I was like, hold on. So you just fucking lied to me about something that you don't even know is true or not about somebody who you can't prove. You're, you are now spreading gossip about this person and you don't have a fucking problem with that. And I was like, look it up right now. And she's like, okay. So she started looking up. She's like, I can't find it. And I was like, so call your friend's brother and call him a fucking liar 
for spreading false information about somebody that could actually endanger their job. No shit. I was like, this is where it starts. Like, pay attention. Like, I don't care about your homework. Cheat all you want on that. But this You're shit. You're someone's life up. You cannot cheat on something being true about somebody's character. Like, that's either true or it's not. And if it's true, awesome. Bring that to light and have your proof. But if it's not, you're in trouble. And she's like, okay, I get the lesson. It's like, we're not done here. Sure. <laughs> well, that's like, because nobody puts in hard work to get anything anymore. So when somebody's in a position where they did put in hard work to get there, everybody just goes, oh, I heard this thing about that person. And they don't. There's no appreciation for how they got there or that they totally. got there. It's just like, oh, I heard this thing from this person that told me their sister, whose brother lived with their aunt, said that they drove a car once while looking at a can of beer. And you're like, oh, cool, fire him. For sure. And you're like, oh, he spent 30 years getting that position and you made up a rumor and now his life's fucked. Totally. And that's what I tried to explain to her is like, this is a feature of our culture where there's no fact checking, which I read the title of a headline of a news source and now it's true. Yeah. Which it, there's like, there's no truth in almost anything you read today. We're in a post-truth society, yeah. which I refuse to be a part of. And we have everything. We have the disposal in our hands to go check and fact sure. check 100%. everything and no one wants to do it. No. It's, I mean, That's it's, fucked up it's really hard to like type a couple things. And sure. Hard, hard work is out of the question. Well, they'll go in and us. click fucking TikTok and start dancing in front of the motherfucker. Totally. I, I mean, to be like for, I, I know it's like a weird abstract lesson for a 12 year old, but it's like nothing drives me more crazy than shit like that. Yeah. I, if, if she did anything else, I probably wouldn't care. But if she's spreading gossip and weird fucking lies that she hasn't validated herself, I will disown her. <laughs> she's out of the family. Like, oh, fair enough. I mean, because what else? I mean, it was like, what if somebody said something about us? Yeah. And they were like, well, I read it through this person and they did this. And then suddenly we're in jail because somebody said something about us. It's probably true. But at least you should validate mind. it. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, we are we're definitely in a guilty until proven innocent society. Right. And once you've been deemed guilty, it doesn't even matter if you come out of it innocent. The tarnish is there. The thing you were doing probably no longer exists. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's just more fucking hardship. I mean, if it says it on social media, it's got to be true. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Like especially if it comes with a hashtag. That's not right. where that's not where you guys learn about everything you yeah, want. Everything. Like when I need to coach something new, that's where I go for my information. It makes sense. And then I reference it with the person that they tag. That's that's good. Yeah. You yeah. do the same thing? Yeah. Nice. I usually just look up hashtags. I'm like, I want them to do a hard workout today. So I'll look up like uh, blessed be Jesus or <laughs> pay the man body by God or something like oh, that. And usually shit. I'll come up with some sort of Metcon or some body so, by God, something hard that I can give people because, um, you know, glory be glory be. Or whatever sacred life. I matter. think that's a good yeah. lesson. I think that's a good lesson for everybody. That's how you program. That's that's the actionable yeah. item at the end of the podcast. Yeah. So I pray on it. Get, go 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 <laughs> forth and make people fit my children. <laughs> Divine inspiration. Divine Fitzbo. Divine Fitzbo. <laughs> I just because I'm sitting in Mark's chair doesn't mean I'm going to start making fucking URLs on my phone. <laughs> Although it does feel like I should. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, well, thanks for coming, guys. It was fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks man. Sesh. Cool. cool. And we're out. Cheers. Later.